Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We're honored that you're here, and we pray that you find this message both encouraging and inspiring. This morning, um, we're still talking about giving, and we're still talking about money, but I want to talk about something a little different this morning. I'm going to read from Luke 12, and then we're going to jump into, into the Word. Luke 12, we'll start in verse 13. Then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such a thing as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every form of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you you have enough stored away from years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything that you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat, clothes to wear. For this life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest their food. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest their food or store them in barns. For God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use in worrying over bigger things? Look at the lilies and how they've grown. They don't, look, they don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Don't be concerned about what to drink. Don't worry about such things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. But you, your father, already knows your needs. Listen to this. Don't worry about all of these things. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers all over the world. 
But your Father already knows your needs. Seek the kingdom of a, above all else and He will give you everything that you need. That's the Pentecostal verse when you're looking to get married. It's like, seek the kingdom, then He's going to give you a spouse. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to those in need. This will store up treasures in heaven. And the purses of heaven will never get old or developed holes. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it. No moth can destroy it. Whatever your treasure is, wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will also be there. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Do something in us. In Jesus' name, amen. You good, Jansen? It's a beautiful little song you're playing there. I don't know what it is. Everybody give it up for Jansen this morning. Man of God. Um, <laughs> we were actually, Jansen was talking about playing some, uh, some sort of Christmas music earlier. And uh, yeah, he's going to do that next week for us. So holly jolly Christmas or something like that as the intro. Um, I had a totally different sermon prepared until about 4.30 this morning, and um, I'm going to, I'm going, it's still around the topic of money, I'm just going to preach about something that I think is important that I kind of touched on last week a little bit towards the end of the message, but um, I want to talk to you about the riches of contentment. I'm going to talk to you about the riches of contentment. And the first thing that you need to know is uh, one in four Americans that make over $100,000 a year live paycheck to paycheck. One in four who make over $100,000 a year live paycheck to paycheck, meaning <laughs> if the check don't hit next week, the bills ain't getting paid, right? The power's getting cut off. Um, I've, I've mentioned these stats to you before, but um, I think this is a new one. On average, and this does not include a mortgage, on average, 30% of Americans' income go to, towards paying off debt. 30%. Um, and that does not include your mortgage. So the mortgage in there, it bumps it up a few percentages. Um... Americans, I've said this already, Americans spend $1.50 for every dollar they make, which means you're broke. You ain't got no money. You're borrowing it, and it ain't yours. $1.50 for every dollar that you make. And then the last stat that I've kind of mentioned is you, uh, like 1.7% of, of Christians give faithfully to the church. 1.7. 1.7. It's kind of crazy, right? Like, if you think about that. Like, how does the church go on with 1.7% of Christians giving? It's because God blesses the 1.7 with enough to sustain what he's trying to do. Right? So, I think one of the problems that we have in our society and... I've just kind of been on this journey. I've been off social media. 
and I've been reading a good bit. But I think one of the problems that we have within our society, within the world that we live in, is just a crippling discontentment. We are always discontent. Always. We are always wanting more. We're always wanting next. We're always wanting stuff. And I read this passage of scripture this morning because I want you to know there is this one line that Jesus says in all of this. And he says this. He says, what fool stores up wealth on earth but does not have a rich relationship with God? What fool stores up wealth on earth but does not have a rich relationship with God. And then he goes into this teaching of his disciples about if he dresses the lilies, if he gives food to the ravens, if he is going to meet all of your needs, then why are you worried? All of that stuff, right? And what he is trying to communicate in all of this is because this guy in the beginning of this says, I know what I'll do. I'll build a bigger barn... So I can store up all my stuff. And so I'll have plenty of stuff. I'll have plenty of things that I need. And Jesus rebukes him. And he said, what you need is not more stuff. What you need is a rich relationship with God. One of the things that you, you, can, you can look at people, and stuff is not bad, until stuff has its grip on you. And you can look at people and you can see in a culture of discontentment, we are always wanting more stuff. More clothes, the new phone that drops, a new car, a new house, a new, a new, a new, a new, a new, because you are discontent. You are discontent. There is a need that can only be met through a rich relationship with God. And you don't have that, so you are meeting needs in everywhere that you can control. So I can control if I spend money here, and I can control if I spend money here, and I can control if I spend money here, and I can control if I spend money here. I can control the need that this is meeting for me, but you will always be discontent. It doesn't matter how much you acquire Listen, Jesus warns this guy, be aware and guard yourself against every form of greed. Every form of greed. Discontentment is just a form of greed. You being discontent with everything in your life right now, or really with anything in your life, is a form of greed. It's a form of greed. It's a form of wanting more, of wanting next. And I think a lot of times what we do is, is that we hold on to stuff so tightly. We hold on to stuff so tightly that it, it scratches this itch for a second that God is meant to meet and that can only be met by God. Here's the thing about those things. They're going to burn. 
according to Paul. They're going away. All of those things ain't going to be here. So you are depending upon something, whether it's money, stuff, new boat, new house, new car, new shoes, new whatever. You are, a, you are depending upon stuff to meet needs that only God can meet. Only God can meet the need of contentment. If you are consistently discontent with your life, it is probably is because you are not content in the area of personal relationship with God. Right? How do you become rich with contentment? How do you become rich with contentment? Because I don't want to just say be content, but then never tell you how to go be content. Right? It's like, yep, get out there and be content. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm going to go to me. I'm going to go on StockX when we leave here, see if there's any new shoes that dropped that I may need for Christmas, right? But I'm going to tell you how to be content. Number one, you need a rich relationship with God. Let's just start there. Actually, let's start there and let's stop there. You need a rich relationship with God. How many times... Or let me just ask you this question. What in your life right now is scratching an itch for you that you need to let go of? What is it? If you are discontent at all with your life, and the reason some of you will never be content with your life because you're so prideful you can't admit that you're actually discontent. You're so arrogant that you can't admit that you're discontent with your life. And you lie to yourself and tell yourself that you're content and everything's fine and everything's wonderful and everything's going smooth and on the inside you are dying. And until you get real enough and honest enough with yourself, you'll always be discontent. And I can actually tell you this, you can come here as much as you want to. You can come here eight days a week, right? Twice on Sundays. We have three services here on Sundays. Two other churches meet here. You can come for the one after this and the one after that. And as long as you keep wearing a mask and putting up this facade for people to see and not getting real with yourself, it don't matter how many times you come here. It doesn't matter how many times you come here. We want you to come here. We want you to be a part. We want you to be connected here. We want you to develop relationships here. We want all of those things to take place in your life. But until you decide that you want to drop your ego, until you decide that you want to nail your pride to the cross, you will always be discontent. You will always be discontent. You will always be looking for what's next. You will always look, be looking for the better thing. And let me tell you this, if the better thing was going to scratch the itch, it would have already done it. Because you've had the better thing. You've had the thing that you wanted most. And then after you get that, you just want more. Feeding discontentment just makes you more discontent. Getting new stuff all the time just makes you more discontent. That's all it does. Because you just need, 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 need. 
And until you allow a rich relationship with God, I love that it says that, a rich relationship with God to meet the need, all of this money stuff will never make any sense. You know who I never have to like counsel about giving? People who are radically in love with Jesus. Never once have I ever had to. I've never had to tell someone who is radically in love with Jesus to be generous. We just are, right? Listen, discontentment comes from a lack of understanding how God feels about you. Discontentment comes from a lack of understanding about how God feels about you. You are discontent because you see God as an idea. And you see his love for you as an idea. And it's not become real to you yet. It's just an idea. It's just a concept. It's just out there. And it's like just like every other concept. It's just kind of out there. And you can flirt with that if you need to. If you want to seem Christian. And then when you don't want to flirt with that. Then you can engage in all the other stuff that you want to engage with. Discontentment comes from not knowing how God feels about you. If he dresses the lilies, if he feeds the ravens, how much more will he care about? Why are you worried about today? Do you know what? I think it's like really, this is going to be a tough one. Jesus says that you are anxious about tomorrow because you're an unbeliever. Jesus says anxiety is tied to unbelief. You don't believe that God is good as he is. Got real quiet. (laughs) It's a painful one. Jesus says the reason... So this this is what they say. The unbelievers are worried about all of this stuff tomorrow. Right? That's what this says. Luke 12. The unbelievers are concerned with all of the worries. And let me, let me say this. Just because you have anxiety, that doesn't mean that I'm throwing shame on you in this moment. Let me tell you something. I went on a cruise last week, a couple weeks, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yes. Went on a cruise two weeks ago. Lo and behold, we sailed into a hurricane. (laughs) Fantastic. I realized how much I am not like Jesus (laughs) because of how I respond to a boat while I'm on a boat in the middle of a storm. Like, the, the, this was what they said as if this was supposed to be a calming statement. They come over the intercom and they're like, Hello, everyone. The ports are closed in the Bahamas, and we are going to sail into safer waters. Safer waters, which implies that they are still not safe. <laughs> Just safer than where we're at. And I like, I, like I'm getting on the boat, and they're like handing out these little, uh, these little sheets of paper. And it's like, 
hey, we had to change our itinerary. And it's like, we're looking at itinerary. It's like, oh, we're going to be at sea for three days because a hurricane is coming. So we're sailing elsewhere. I thought we were going to like sail to like Biloxi, Mississippi. I was going to be so mad. I was about to ask for a complete refund of my trip. Settle us around to Biloxi. God. It, I had already went there in my mind what I was going to go up to guest services and say. It's like, you could have sailed us anywhere else, and you sailed us to Biloxi. Thank God they didn't, right? Listen, the reason why we are discontent is because we turn to other things to meet the needs that only God can meet. We turn to things things. And that what your soul needs is relational connection with a person who is Jesus. It doesn't need another thing. We have all the things. Our world, you have access to all the things. All of them. Every book, Every coffee shop, you have access to everything. And somehow, when we have access to everything, if you look at the statistics, we are more discontent now than we've ever been. Right? We use things as a crutch to prop us up. And here's the thing that I've learned about God. He will not let you use crutches for a long time. He'll remove them. And whatever drives you to Him, the relational connection that He has, that He wants with you, is worth that to Him. So He'll take the crutches away if it makes you dependent. Right? Let me tell you what I think is awesome. God will, God will take favor off of your life if it makes you dependent. God won't bless you and sacrifice y'all's relationship. And I think a lot of times, like a lot of people, this is what I know. I know people who serve God to get money. And there, this is just really like this is just like really straightforward. And I'm going to just shoot you straight. Here's how I know it: because they come to church and they've been struggling financially. They struggle financially. They struggle financially. They struggle financially. They get a breakthrough. You don't ever see them again. So you were using God almost like a prostitute, and He's not that. He wants a relational connection with you. You know what I've actually. Also, realize I've been reading a lot about desire lately. Dallas Willard says this. He says, desire is infinite, which means it never goes away. You will always have a desire for something, right? And the only way that that desire will ever be met is within the infinite who is God. You can, have, you can desire whatever, but all desire, if it's infinite, that means it comes from the infinite. Who is God? 
And the only way desires can be met are within him. That's why Jesus says, you can have a bunch of money, but you're crazy if you don't have a rich relationship with God. So, if you have a rich relationship with God, what does that mean? Right? What does a rich relationship with God mean? That's kind of vague, right? If I just say, hey, you need to have a rich relationship with God. Everybody's like, well, what does rich mean? Right? I think that question needs to be answered. So I'm going to tell you as best as I know how. Here's what a rich relationship with God I think looks like. Are you committed privately and corporately to Jesus? Are you committed privately and corporately to Jesus? Listen, it's not you can have one or the other. It's both. You have to have both. Jesus had a strategy for building his church. And it was through relationships. Right? Jesus' strategy for building his church was through relationships. But you have to be committed to the person of Jesus to know that. Right? Have you ever met those lone wolf Christians? You ever met those guys? They always got something going on. (laughs) Always got a problem. Their life is always falling apart. Nothing is ever going right. It's because they do not allow, number one, the presence of Jesus privately or corporately to meet the needs that they have. I know people who their neighbors bought their car or their truck. They didn't buy it. They saw that their neighbor had it, and they had to go buy it because their neighbor had it. They were discontent in their heart and jealous of their neighbor. And, and I know people who have made a lot of money, a lot of money. And by a lot, I don't mean like a few thousand. I mean like a, lots of hundreds of thousands. And I know people with lots of hundreds of thousands of dollars who are more discontent than I know people with $30,000. And it's because they see all of this stuff that they need and want and have to have. And the person with 30G over here on a good day, is more content in their heart than the person with 500 because they allow God to meet the need that only he can meet in their heart. Money will not scratch the itch. That's why Jesus said to give it away. Money will not scratch the itch. There's like, a, there's like a famous video of Tom Brady. How many of you have ever seen, how many of you know who Tom Brady is? You should know him. I think after he won like his sixth Super Bowl, I think it, yeah, sixth, something like that, he was like being interviewed. And like when you win a Super Bowl, there's a lot of money that comes with that via bonuses from the team and then you just won a Super Bowl, and not only did you win one of them, but you won six of them, so now all these people are going to pay to put you on everything that they love and own. And he says this. He's being interviewed, and they're like, hey, Tom, like, what's next for you? And he starts crying, and he's like, there's got to be more to life than this. If success and money could scratch this itch, 
you could scratch it by yourself. But God in His mercy doesn't let it. God in His mercy doesn't let things scratch the itch for you. So, if you're going to be committed to Jesus corporately or privately, ask these questions. How many times in the past month have you just sat down and invited God to come and be with you? How many times? She says no. She says, I ain't doing that. I ain't praying. Forget that. How many times have you in the past month asked God just to come into wherever you are and be there with you? How many times? And listen, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to go into a closet, a physical closet, and lock the door and say, God, come and meet me. Make me levitate. Let me run through a fence and come out on the other side. Y'all remember that story? (laughs) That is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. This guy that I was counseling, he was basically like, I've been asking God (laughs) if he would let me run through my fence out back. And I was just like, why? (laughs) Like, He's like, because when I run through my fence, everybody's going to know that I love God. (laughs) I was like, awesome. Knock it out, baby. How many times have you invited God just into a space with you, whether it be in your car, whether it be at home, whether it be at work, wherever it may be, how many times have you invited God into that space? The next question is, how committed are you to the bride of Christ, to the church. How committed are you to that? Do you know that that Christians in the New Testament did not attend church as a hobby? It wasn't a status symbol. It wasn't at their convenience. Attending church and being part of a community is not about status. It's not about convenience. It is all about sacrifice. And so when people are like, I'm just too busy for church, that's the point. That is the point. That is the point. You have a lot going on and you cut out time in your schedule to make time for God. That's the entire point that you stop And get with God. I have stopped asking people to come to church who just don't want to come to church. I'm not going to ask you to. I'm just not going to ask you. You've made up in your mind that you have a priority. And that priority is here. And God is down here. And we can talk about it however you want to talk about it. But that's the reality of it. If I were to ask you how much you've been reading your Bible... Not much. How much you been praying? Not much. How much you been listening to worship music? I can. If you want a rich relationship with God, you have to engage with the things that He says make your relationship with Him rich. The New Testament church met together on a regular basis. And I want to make something very clear. I have not stopped inviting people to church, but I've stopped begging people to come to church. 
right? It's always great to invite people to church. Don't beg people, though. Don't beg people. Church is not for just when a crisis hits. Church is not for just a place that you can come and attend when your marriage is falling apart. And it's most certainly a place that you should come when your marriage is falling apart, but that's not the reason why it exists. Church is not a place to deal with your crisis. It's not like a little drink that we give you that makes all the problems go away and then you can not attend church for another 8, 10, 12 months and then when a crisis comes up, you just come back to church and then we want to give you that drink again. This is not like jumper cables, right? It's not like hooking you up to a jump box and giving you a shock for Jesus and then getting you shocked up and ready to go and then your battery dies again. That's not what this is. That's not what a relationship is like at all. Right? How often do you get in the Word and just let God speak to you? How often do you get in His Word and just let Him shape your heart? How often do you let Him deal with your bitterness? How often do you let God love all of the hell out of you? How often do you invite him to show up and do that? I found he's pretty good at it. Too good. So sometimes I just like sit there and I'm like, hey, if you could not say anything, that'd be grand. Hey, if you could not ask me to do anything today, that would be awesome. So... But when you ask him to come and meet you in places and deal with things in your life, don't be shocked when he does it. (laughs) And don't be surprised if he does it in a way that you don't really like. (laughs) Right? Listen, is the ordinary in your life, the ordinary, the day-to-day, Are you inviting God into those moments? What made the ground holy in Exodus chapter 3? It wasn't Moses. It was that God showed up in an ordinary place for Moses. What makes your living room holy ground? God shows up there. What makes your car holy ground? You invite God into that space. What makes washing dishes holy? Nothing. I'm totally joking. (laughs) Nothing. There's not a thing on the earth or in heaven. (laughs) What makes mundane tasks that you don't want to do, what makes them holy? You invite God into that moment. Listen, do you invite God into the moment by moment? Moment by moment, do you invite him into that? He is a moment by moment God. If I have learned anything, God is moment by moment. I have been ruined for a way of life with God that he shows up in the ordinary and he shows up in the moments where people say that he doesn't or that he can't. Listen, if you want a rich relationship with God, 
This may be the most important. I think this could be maybe one of the most important things that I've ever said from a, from a platform. You need to drop your expectations. If you want a rich relationship with God, you need to drop all of your expectations of who He is supposed to be. Listen. My expectations for God to move in a particular way keep me from celebrating how He is moving. My expectations for how God is supposed to show up, they blind me from how He is actually here in the moment. And we've taught you in the church, you need to expect God to move. What does that mean? What does that mean? When we say you need to expect God to move, where's he moving? And what's he doing? When you drop all of your expectations, everything that comes from God then can be celebrated as a gift. When you drop all of your expectations that you have of how the Spirit is supposed to show up in your life on a regular basis, when you drop those expectations, you can engage relationally with Him in every moment. I know people who can only engage with the presence of God if the right music is on, if Wes is slaying it on the drums. If Jordan's over here hitting a nasty guitar solo, which I appreciated, Jordan. Not because it was like super extra anointed, I just actually appreciated it. I think it's awesome. <laughs> Jake over here on the bass, just killing it, waking up the neighbors. Jansen over here, tickling the ivories. If, if all of that is not like you want it, can you still engage in worship? You know what one my favorite thing that maybe I've ever done? So I used to go to the Catholic church a good bit here in town. I would go there during the week and not receive communion from the Catholic church because you've got to be Catholic to do that. But I would go there and just sit and listen to them talk and listen to them preach and go through a liturgy with them. And I would sense the presence of God the same way as I would here. And I was like, it's not that there's something to this or that. There's just something to God. And He just shows up when you meet Him and ask Him to show up. Listen, I want to share this with you. So I have felt the presence of God maybe two times over the past few months, as strong as I've ever felt them in my life. And uh, so I want to show you these two moments that I felt the presence of God. Let's go. Throw them up there. This one. Can you go back to the other one? This is just like late one night. We're like walking through this 
thing and I just sensed the presence of God. And I couldn't put words to it. I didn't know what was happening. But I just invited him in to deal with whatever he wanted to deal with in my heart while I'm doing all of this. Like, I'm not saying that our worship is, like, not good. I feel the presence of God in worship. Right? But Jesus is in the everyday, as strong as he is in here. Go to the next one. Most of the time, we won't engage with God in moments like these because we don't see that He's actually present. We miss these moments for them to become holy ground because we have bound God to move within our expectations. You miss these moments. If your expectations are that God has to move in a certain way. We're notorious for this in Pentecostal churches. If God doesn't show up with a blowtorch and spray everybody's head with fire. He hasn't showed up. You have to get to a place where you invite God into the everyday. You've got to get to a place where you invite him into the moment by moment. Because what good is it to have all of this wealth, but to not have a rich relationship with God? What good is it? That's why Jesus tells you and tells us over and over and over and over again, give your money away because everything that you can get with it cannot scratch this itch. It cannot scratch the itch. But our expectations, a lot of times, they don't even... When I say allow God to show up, that's not what they do. Our expectations don't allow us to see Him in everything that he's in. Because it has to be this certain way. Last thing. If you want to be rich with contentment. You need to learn to be thankful. In every moment. For everything. In all things. That's what 1 Corinthians 5.18 says. It says be thankful. It doesn't say for all things. I'm most certainly not thankful for all things. I am most certainly not. But I, I do have a thankful heart in the midst of all things. I'm not thankful for everything. I am thankful in every situation and in every circumstance. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Be thankful in all things. For this is the will of God for your life to rejoice to be in prayer and to be thankful in the midst of everything that's the will of God for your life that's how like when you begin to thank God for who he is and his presence and 
who he is for you and who he is for your family and who he is for everything, when you begin to have a grateful heart and a thankful heart, you'll be able to see him in places that you've never seen him before and in ways that you've never seen him before. Like, reading stories from the early church after the resurrection of Jesus and after his ascension into heaven about the ways that they would see Jesus and talk about Jesus. That, like if you go and read some of those things, they should absolutely ruin you for something more. They should ruin you for something more within a rich relationship with God. In a rich relationship with God, it means something. Engaging with Him and His church, it means something. Being a thankful person, Having a rich relationship with God, there's like there's markers to that. And it looks like fruit. <laughs> That's what it looks like. It doesn't a lot of times we bind the spirit. We put the spirit of God. When we say that you put God in a box, right? Number one, there's all sorts of things wrong with that. You can't put God in a box. But we don't put God in a box. We put him in a prison. Because he's only allowed to show up in a certain way. And so when, when we think about how God is supposed to show up and move in our lives and what does this mean? How does this how do I need to what does this mean for me and money? It means that you need to be fulfilled through a rich relationship with God and the things that He says to do. The most, like A.W. Tozer says this, the most important thing about a man is what he believes, the first thing that he believes when God comes to his mind. There's another guy, his name's Dallas Willard, who says this, the, the marker of a believer, the marker of a Christian is will you do what God says to do. The most important thing about you is what you believe about God. How we can determine if you're Christian or not is do you do the things that Jesus says? I want to do the things that he says. I want a rich relationship with him. I want to be generous. I never want to build barns for myself and have plenty for everything that I need and I want, but my relationship with him be cold and stale. <laughs> 